0: Hello, this is Hank Gross, MidHudsonNews.com, with a special podcast interview with State Senator Pete Harkam. So, Senator, tell us, we're in the first, uh, now about um, five, six weeks of the session.
1: Uh, How's it going so far? Well, it's been very busy. You know, right now we've we've got the governor's budget. Um, We have two weeks shorter than normal to analyze it and negotiate a budget. Um, you know, it's customary in Albany that when the governor has an election, they can submit their budget two weeks late. So that's what happened this year. And so right now we are in, in the process of holding public hearings, joint, joint hearings with the assembly, um, dissecting the budget. And then each, each chamber will come up with our own what we call one-house budget. And then we begin the three-way negotiations on the final budget.
0: Is there anything that stands out uh, from uh, the governors that um,
1: uh, raises concerns to you? Well, you know, there there are things that will be controversial uh, with some of our local municipalities. Her, her housing compact is is one. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of affordable housing and the need to build housing, um, but there are some things in there that that are. Um, Troublesome to some of my municipalities, a transit-oriented development um, removing environmental review from that process uh, is is one of those elements. So we're we're digging through all of that right now. We're looking to see if there are alternatives uh, and compromises. But as you know, any any time that the state tries to interfere with 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 local home rule, it, it gets prickly. So uh, that that's one of them there. Um, and we've got the climate provisions now. The Climate Action Council has voted to approve the scoping plan. That's now the policy of New York State. So it's, it's now incumbent upon all of us to begin to really um, put the mechanisms in place to to meet those climate objectives. And one of the things the governor has proposed is a, a cap and invest Plan to raise money Uh, that would be, you know, a cap on carbon emissions, and people could, the larger polluters could buy credits, and eventually that would be paid down, and then that money goes into a fund to help meet um, our our climate objectives, you know, decarbonizing and electrifying buildings and and the like. Um, So the 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 goal of the plan is to to raise. You know, in the neighborhood, what we've been told is is well over two hundred and fifty billion dollars. The problem is there are very, very few details in that plan so um as a legislature um you know you're you're a bit suspect of of giving that much power uh, to the executive branch in in any circumstance, but when you're dealing with this kind of money without guardrails, so that's something that that we're looking at very closely
0: when you talk about um Electrification and uh, all the car manufacturers now are, are uh, making uh, rechargeable electric cars as well as hybrids. Um, my concern, though, is you buy an all-electric car, you plug it in in your house, where's that electricity coming from? Fossil fuel.
1: Well, well, right right now, Eric, we're in the process as a state of rapidly scaling up renewables. Uh, there's a lot of offshore wind um, generation going off Long Island. We're rapidly uh, generating uh, renewables from solar throughout New York State. Uh, there's a there's a, a hydro um, cable coming down from from Canada um, which which will be very helpful. Um, so we're in the process of generation. The challenge is really on the storage side because as we know, the sun doesn't shine at night and there there are days when when the wind does not blow. So in addition to the generation, we need to create ample storage because at night, as you say, that's when people are going to be charging their their vehicles. And also at night, we're going to be switching homes to electric heat pumps. So we're in a sense, we're going to be inverting the the curve of how we use power. Now we use more power in the day and soon we'll be getting to the point where we'll be using more power at night. So storage is going to be a, a key component of that strategy. We're seeing in uh,
0: Orange County uh, a, a, a company coming in and, and wanting to build two giant uh, battery storage centers. Uh, and I presume that's that's for what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, that that's absolutely for what it is um, because as, as we said, when we when we produce clean energy, we need to store it for when the sun is not shining or the wind is, is not glowing. So scaling up our storage capacity is going to be a big, big component of this.
0: Now, propane vehicles, if you recall, years ago uh, were uh, of limited use and seemed to have died out. But um, what about hydrogen? Uh, do you think
1: there's any future in that, hydrogen-powered vehicles? You know, it really depends on on the auto industry. Most of them seems to most of them seem to be going toward electric. Um, you know, we we passed my law that my bill that was signed into law that that all vehicles, light vehicles sold in New York by twenty thirty five, need to be zero emissions. So that could that could be hydro uh, hydrogen. Um, you remember a while ago, um, General Motors was doing some experiments with hydrogen. I think Toyota still is. But most of them seem to be rapidly moving toward, toward electric vehicles. I think in the next three years, General Motors is going to be rolling out 25 of their existing models will now have electric models. So uh, Ford doing the same thing, Volkswagen, Audi, um, all moving very rapidly in the electrification area.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I might have even seen a commercial
1: for an all-electric uh, Chevy uh, Corvette. There's a the Chevy Corvette, all three of the, the truck manufacturers, um, uh, uh, GM, Ford, uh, and and even Chrysler. Uh, the Ford Mustang, there's a commercially available electric Ford Mustang out on the market right now. Um, has all the power of the, the, the gasoline-powered Mustang that... that Traditional riders of the Mustang love, um, but at zero emissions, and they even they change the look of them too. They they have one that is 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 sort of a hatchback model as well, right?
0: And what I've noticed, uh, some police departments, uh, Yonkers uh, rings a bell, uh, and another one uh, I can't remember which one it is now uh, are, are buying electric cars, and they're great for. Um, traffic uh uh, where normally if if a police officer is sitting for a whole shift to catch speeders they're idling the car all day which is wear and tear on the vehicle and all that fuel but if they're sitting in an all-electric it's off and if they've got to go chase somebody bam they're they're off and running
1: yeah absolutely in fact i've On the hybrid side, I think I bought five or six hybrid vehicles for police departments in in my district. Um, You know, so so the you know, all of the old misnomers about absence of power and speed and, you know, comforts, um, you know, that that's gone by the wayside. The the new electric vehicles are amazing. Um, The prices are coming down rapidly as as the batteries are coming down. But we need what we need as a state to do is work on our charging infrastructure. So in the infrastructure bill uh, from Washington, New York State got $175 million so we can begin to build out our charging infrastructure because not everybody has a single-family home where they can have their own charger. Or if you're traveling on the highway, um, you're taking a longer trip, you're going to need to be able to pull off and, and not only – Re- recharge, but recharge rapidly so you're not sitting there for four hours. So we, we need to build up our, our rapid charging capabilities, and, and that's what that $175 million from the federal government will help us do. Now, um, the
0: uh, the criminal justice reforms of a uh, few years ago, the further north you go uh, in your district and, and uh, further up in, in the Hudson Valley, we're constantly hearing about um, uh, the bail reform issue. There was one case uh, that I reported on uh, recently of a uh, guy who uh, has an order of protection against him, and he had 900 violations of an order of protection, and um, they released him, and then he called the the ex-lady friend... Uh, Twenty-five times, I went to her house twice, and now he's in jail. On, uh, in fact, he got out on five thousand dollars bail. Uh, I mean, what what do you do about uh, situations like that?
1: All right. Well, see, you you just said he was he was out on bail, and when someone has nine hundred violations, that's that's a failure of 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 the judges. You know, someone with nine hundred violations should never be out on the street. You know, that's not a that's not a failure of, a bail or, or, or even no bail. Um, you know, that that's a failure of sentencing. You know, I, I remember right after, uh, the bail reform was passed the very first time. And as you know, we've amended it to, to fix some things in it. I had a police chief say, we just arrested somebody. It was his 55th. Uh, it was a, it was a breaking and entering and we couldn't hold him. And, and I said, chief, what happened on the 45th time, the 40th time, the 30th time? You know, people like that shouldn't be out walking our streets. Those are sentencing issues. Those are not bail issues. Um, you know, first, it's, it's important to your to your question, Eric, uh, uh, Hank, excuse me, um, that people need to know that in most of the, the state, crime is down. In Westchester and Putnam, crime is down 10 percent, um, and and a lot of this is, is judges not necessarily or DAs not pursuing the ability to remand or to set bail. Um, the, the first bail law that was passed was flawed, and we fixed it to allow judges and DAs the right to set bail or even to remand after a second violation. And we, the data shows that that is not happening frequently. Uh, the other data shows that more people um, have violations who are out on bail than who are out on on their own recognizance. And I think that's probably a reflection of the, the more serious nature of, of the bail offenses. So, you know, a lot goes into this pretrial diversion. Um, you know, a lot of the, 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 the repeat misdemeanors are folks um, with behavioral health issues, particularly substance use disorders, small robberies to support um, substance use disorder. That's where pretrial diversion comes in. You know, how do we get folks into treatment programs? Um, So, you know, bail has become the catchword for a lot of failures in the criminal justice system. But most of the data points to it's not bail per se, um, but there, there are some things in the criminal justice system that we do need to address.
0: And you mentioned uh, drugs a second ago. Um, a day doesn't go by where we don't hear uh, that um, somebody's been picked up on uh, opioid and fentanyl Sorry. possession. And uh, I've got police scanners in my office. And and several times yeah. a day you hear calls of uh, a person uh, unresponsive and not breathing. And you know what that's all about. Um, yeah. It. it it seems like uh, the more we do, uh, uh, we can't get a grip on this.
1: Uh, fentanyl's killing people uh, left and right. It, it, it's, a, it's a horrible tragedy. And, you know, for four years, I chaired the Committee on Alcoholism and Substance Abuse. Last year, we increased Oasis's budget by half a billion dollars. Um, you know, harm reduction has to be a big part of this because not everyone's ready for treatment. So we need to keep people alive um, uh, until they they are ready for treatment. So Narcan training is a big part of it. Getting fentanyl test strips out into the community is is a big part of it. Um, so so we also need to address it on the front end because a lot of this stems from self medication um, from from mental health issues. You know we find that. of people who present for treatment for substance use disorder have a co-occurring mental health disorder, and that's what they're self-medicating. So I'm glad to see the governor's put another billion dollars in the budget uh, incrementally for uh, mental health treatment uh, this year. So we're going through those numbers, Um, but, but you're right. It's, it's, it's a national crisis and we need to treat it as such.
0: And when we talk about, um, Uh, narcotics uh, the legalization of cannabis um, they still to my knowledge have not come out with a test uh, if somebody's driving uh, under the influence like they can with alcohol and um, I believe uh, one provisional dispensary uh, approval was granted in New York City and um, where do we stand now with that whole situation
1: well the the whole thing about legalizing cannabis was was not about creating a market of new users. We know there is a large illicit market. people are using uh, cannabis um, recreationally. This was about taking an illegal market, making it legal, taxing it, and use that money for a public good, such as education and substance use disorder treatment which were which were two of the um, main areas where where the tax revenue will go um, so you know the police are already dealing with with DUI it's not like there's there's going to be this this massive influx of new people it's already a problem there there is a provision in the law that the health department and the state police, Police are beta testing some of these um devices, and then and then when they uh, find one that's viable they they will come on the market right now. What police departments use as as you know are are specialists called drug drug recognition experts um who are highly trained uh and and can determine when someone is driving under the influence of something other other than alcohol uh they're expensive to train and while they're away on training. Um, other officers, often on overtime, need to backfill their posts. So we put in $10 million annually for local police departments for the training of these officers.
0: My my other concern is that uh, the, the hardcore recreational users of marijuana, uh, I think, are going to continue to rely on the black market because that way they don't have to pay tax on it. Whereas the state, I think... Uh, it was going to be something as much as 18 percent when you factor in the various stages of the tax. Um, so um, I, I suppose we have to get a grip uh, somehow on on the black market now.
1: Yeah, I mean that that that's true. You know, part of the benefit of the legal market is it's regulated, so you know the purity. You know, there it's not laced with other chemicals. Um, so that is one of the things it's all grown in New York under strict conditions so people know that they're buying a safer product than than what they're buying on the street. Um, you know to the early discussion about fentanyl, fentanyl is now in everything. it's not just in
0: in heroin
1: it's in it's in cocaine it's in in some cases marijuana it's in it's in meth it's 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 really in everything so you know, for for folks who who are, are drug users and and buying, you know, on the street, really got to be careful because fentanyl is in absolutely everything.
0: And we we hear that uh, just one little grain of it uh, can be fatal to you.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly powerful, and so that's where harm reduction comes in is is equipping people with the tools to save a life um and that's naloxone it's narcan training um and it's it's teaching people um uh who who are active drug users to 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 do things you know like use in pairs you know so you can watch out for each other and you know to 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 john or jane q public that may sound like an anomaly that you're encouraging people to use drugs together we're we're not you know these are people who who are addicted and already using? What we're what we're training them to do is is save each other's lives until they're ready for treatment.
0: Right, senator, we're out of time for this this uh, session, but let's do it again.
1: Hank, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation, and look forward to it anytime. Great, thanks again.
0: This has been a special discussion with State Senator Pete Harkam. I'm Hank Gross.